Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Mets baseball this week with Mets reporter Anthony DeComo here on this Tuesday, March 22nd. And, uh, Anthony, we thank you, as always, for the time. Let's start off with uh, the starting rotation, as is usually the case with this loaded Mets team. Another terrific outing for Jacob DeGrom on Monday as his uh, outstanding spring continues. But... There have been a few, con- I don't know if they're really concerns, but just whispers that he's not quite lighting up the radar gun like he did last season. He's been hovering between, I think, 91 and 94 at times. So I want to give you the floor right here to to soothe the frayed nerves of these certain <laughs> fans that are worried, oh, my God, it's you know this is a precursor of things to come, and he's not, his fastball is losing its life and what's going on. But, again, the floor is yours to tell Mets fans everything is going to be okay, and this is no reason whatsoever to be concerned, correct? Well, you're asking the right person because I, I really don't get concerned about any of that type of stuff in spring training. Um, if you look at where Jacob DeGrom was at last spring, he's really not that far off from it. Look at Juris Familia, for example. Last spring around this time was struggling to crack 93, 94 miles an hour, and we all saw what he was during the regular season. Guys... Uh, and certain guys specifically don't necessarily concentrate on velocity this time of spring. Guys are working on various things, uh, whether it's location, uh, command of a certain pitch, even an extra pitch. So, uh, you know, I always hate to say don't buy into it at all because then if something happens, if it's an injury or it winds up being something a little more sinister than we think, you, you look stupid, right? But I really have a tough time buying into any of that stuff until we get to April. And if he goes out there in his first start and the velocity is not where it needs to be, then you can go ahead and panic. I, I'm just not a big statistics in March guy in general. I'm not a big radar gun in March guy in general. It's cool. Like when you go out and you see Matt Harvey throwing 99 in spring training, you say, wow, it's midseason form, whatever it may be. Um, but the opposite, I, I really don't buy into it too much i don't worry about it because uh history has shown that for most of these guys even when they face these issues in spring training april starts and it winds up being just fine yeah i agree it's uh, i think sometimes we kind of look for things to worry about because especially at this stage of spring training and things get a little i don't want to say mundane but you're just in that that weird phase or period where okay you know most of the position battles are are done and determined now you're waiting for the regular season, and you're just kind of biding your time now. And it's one of those cases, again, where you, you, you just kind of look for something, even if it's negative, to latch on to and to, and to you know, be concerned about and to offer an opinion about. But even DeGrom himself said, correct me if I'm wrong, that after this particular outing on Monday that he was very satisfied with his stuff because he was getting a lot of swings and misses, uh, not just on the fastball, but on his secondary pitches. And in the end, that's all that matters. If they're not hitting the thing, it doesn't matter how hard you throw it, right? Yeah, and, that, and that's when Jacob DeGrom is at his best is when he's commanding that secondary stuff. I mean, it, it's fun, again, like it's fun in the all-star game when he goes out and throws nothing but fastballs and hits 
98-99, and we all say ooh and ah, but in the regular season when you're facing lineups and you're facing good hitters, that's not really how most guys go about their business and get and get people out. You know, even velocity during the regular season, you see uh, so many guys will purposely take a little bit off just so that they have it in the tank when they need it. But you're absolutely right. I mean, with this team in particular, there were so few position battles, really no position battles of note coming to spring training. Um, they were coming off a World Series appearance. Everything was really kind of hunky-dory, and with the exception of uh, maybe a relatively minor uh, in the grand scheme of things injury to his Drupal Cabrera, nothing has really changed that. So we do look for these little things to latch on to, and, and Jacob deGrom's velocity in one four-inning spring training start uh, happens to be the latest of those things. But, again, if I'm a Mets fan, if I'm someone who's following this team, uh, it's really not even on my radar right now as something that would worry me. Yeah, I mean, if look, if that's the biggest concern that you have as a Mets fan at this stage of spring training with your team having just come off a World Series appearance, I think life is pretty good. So. <laughs> Life now, is pretty good, right? Yeah, it really is for Mets fans. And with that lights-out rotation, the envy of the other 29 teams in baseball, in my opinion. So not much to worry about there. And, uh, Anthony, to, to stick with the pitching this time on the bullpen end of things, on Sunday we saw Josh Edgen back on the mound for the first time since his uh, Tommy John surgery a little over a year ago. And I think even for Mets fans, very easy to forget how good he was in 2014 47 appearances, a 1-3-2 ERA. He was terrific, and, of course, he missed all of last season after the TJ surgery. Where do you think he could fit in within this Mets bullpen when he gets back to full health? How big of a contributor could he be? Well, the Mets are flush with lefties all of a sudden with Jerry Blevins, the primary one, but you also have Antonio Bastardo, who's not necessarily a specialist, but he'll be down there at the end of games, and, uh, you know, he does start with his left arm. Um, you know, because of that, the Mets have this luxury of being able to bring Josh Edgen along at the pace that he needs to come along at. Um, and what I mean by that is when he was having that great success with the Mets, he was pretty much the only guy they had from the left side. And it was a huge blow when they lost him to the extent that they went out last spring and made the trades for Blevins, who ultimately re-signed with the team, got hurt, missed all of last season, but ultimately re-signed in the offseason. And, uh, and for Alex Torres, who also wasn't really a lefty specialist and struggled, but uh, they were looking for answers at that time. Well, they're not looking for answers anymore from the left side. So if Josh Edgen struggles or has setbacks in his road back from Tommy John surgery, they don't need to rush him. They won't rush him. Uh, quite the opposite. To the contrary, I would say Josh Edgen has to prove that he's back at that level before he's going to be given a spot on this roster. I don't think anything's going to be handed to this guy, I don't think just because he's healthy, he's going to be on the team. I think the Mets want to see that he's back in that form, that he's back in the, uh, you know, what he was essentially two years ago when he was getting left-handers out very well, when he's even getting right-handers out to a certain extent. Uh, he has to show the Mets that he's that guy. I don't think it'll be before May. It could be later in the summer than that. So it's certainly a guy to watch, a guy to keep an eye on, and a guy that, when all is said and done, might wind up being a very big, very important part of this bullpen. But, again, he's going to have to prove it to the Mets. He's going to have to show that he's ready. And uh, if and when he does that, you know, it's, it'll be a nice, a nice addition for a Mets team that has gone a long time without having one reliable left-handed pitcher. Now they have the potential to have two, three, even four. Funny what a difference a few months makes, right? Uh, and again, if you know, it's it's unfair to expect a guy to to you know come in and contribute as he did in 2014 with the 1-3-2 ERA. But if he's anything even close to that, 
uh, when he gets back to full health, like you said, what an addition he could be to that Mets bullpen who all of a sudden uh, has lefty arms to choose from after it was such a sore spot uh, the, you know, the last year. Uh, going to the position player aspect of it now, looking at uh, how the Mets are shaking out here in spring training, it seems, Anthony, with almost every team in March, there's a player who breaks out with a huge spring training. It's kind of off the radar. You don't see it coming and perhaps creates a, a battle for a roster spot or a position spot where one did not exist uh, heading into spring training. I think for the Mets, that player right now has got to be Alejandro De Aza. Uh, is there any chance that he enhances his projected status, like I said, at the beginning of spring training as merely a backup outfielder? Could he play a bigger role on this team and force somebody to the bench perhaps? Well, I don't think he's going to go that far, but when we first got to spring training, I mean, Sandy Alderson was pretty – explicit in saying look there's no real position battles this camp but there are playing time battles and to me the most intriguing one was backup outfield because the Mets signed Alejandro Deaza long before they thought Jonas Cespedes was a realistic option to play for them was a realistic option to return and it kind of left him as a man without a job when Cespedes came back to town and I personally came to camp thinking there was no way the Mets were going to keep this guy. I thought they were going to trade Daza. Well, uh, circumstances have changed a bit. Uh, Ruben Tejada's gone, which sort of, uh, you know, it almost seemed that for a time that they were going to trade one or the other. Well, they wound up trading neither, but Ruben Tejada's gone on a, uh, uh, as a free agent after the Mets released him. So uh, I do think Daz is going to stay now, and it's just a matter of how much playing time can he get. Uh, the Mets love Juan Magaras still. Juan Magaras is coming to camp in great shape. Um, he's having a pretty nice spring himself. So uh, it's going to be hard for Deazi, even with the spring that he's having, to cut into that playing time. Uh, Lagaras also has the benefit of being the one real plus-plus defender they have out there. But the Mets do need that bat off the bench, and Deazi has proven that he can be that guy. So even if he's nothing more than that, just a veteran, proven pinch hitter off the bench, I think he's going to see his at-bats that way, and he could potentially be a big part of that team that way. Uh, I don't think it's going to be more than that because the Mets love their starting outfield. They love Conforto out there and left. They certainly love Cespedes in center, and Granderson was probably their most valuable player last year. Uh, now, that being said, there are going to be times when Conforto sits, when Granderson sits. There will be some extra playing time to go around. I think Ligaris is going to wind up taking the bulk of it, so that doesn't mean that Deaza doesn't have a role in this team. And like you said, Deaza, he's that, you know, that, that quiet, proven veteran who's uh, – he certainly – he got around last year. Uh, there's no denying that. Began the year in Baltimore, uh, traded to the Red Sox, and then they traded him to the Giants. So he, he played literally all over the country. He's now with the <laughs> Mets, and, you know, he's a guy that can – you know, he adapts to situations uh, very quickly as this is his fourth team and, you know, a calendar year. So to have that guy on your bench, uh, a veteran presence, especially on a team where he's not expected to to lead and not expected to be a huge contributor with all the talent they do have, really could be a good fit. And I applaud Sandy Alderson for not pulling the trigger on a trade once they got Cespedes back. He could be a really important piece in terms of depth uh, for this team. Uh, Anthony, also on uh, Sunday night, many, many miles away, Dilson Herrera had a, had himself a great moment uh, in the qualifier finals for the World Baseball Classic between his native Colombia and uh, Panama. He launched a tie-breaking homer in the eighth inning. That proved to be the game-winning run. Uh, Colombia won 2-1, and for the first time ever, they're headed to the World Baseball Classic. And I, I got to think for him and for the Mets organization, they just got to be through the, through the roof. A great moment for 
a young man that the Mets uh, obviously are very high on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Dilson Herrera has spoken about what it means to him. There were only nine Colombian-born players who made the major leagues at all last year, and he was one of them. Um, he was the star of that team that went to the qualifier and you know, could wind up, you know, if everything breaks right, being one of the better Colombian-born players that the game has seen. So just a huge thing for him. Uh, he loves the idea of growing baseball in his home country. And, you know, as far as his role here with the Mets, I, I think some people looked at what the team did this winter in acquiring Neil Walker and acquiring his dribble Cabrera and, and really in one fell swoop eliminating any chance that Dilson Herrera might have had to make the team out of spring training. And I think some people looked at that and, and saw it as the Mets not uh, loving or not being as high as maybe they should have been or could have been on Dilson Herrera. That's not the case at all. The team really loves this guy, um, and that's partially why they did what they did, because they want him just to get a little bit more seasoning at AAA, and once he gets here, to never have to leave. Uh, they still very much see him as their second baseman of the future. Neil Walker will be a free agent after this year, and I think it's a, probably a long shot at this point that he returns. Um, so Dilson Herr has every chance to be that guy. It's not going to be this year, uh, but he should see some time off at the big leagues at some point. And I think certainly going into 2017 and beyond, if things break as the Mets see things breaking, uh, this is going to be the man up the middle for them for, for a very long time. And, Anthony, you bring up an interesting point, you know, kind of the, the mentality of the current day fan where – you know, like you said, the Mets go out, they get Cabrera, they get Neil Walker, and the knee-jerk reaction for most fans is, uh-oh, they're giving up on Dilson Herrera. We forget that this guy, he's, what, 22, I think, 21 or 22? You know, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, he's still a kid. But do you think that when you look across baseball, and this is this is a time of such incredible young generational talent talking about trout talking about harper talking about carlos correa you know these guys barely old enough to drink and they're winning mvps and crushing home <laughs> runs in the postseason i mean it's it's unbelievable how good these guys are so young do you think that's created across other fan bases unrealistic expectations where they see a prospect who's 21 or 22 and they think well all right these other guys are doing it why can't he well maybe so but that's certainly not the mets mo and, and sort of uh They've almost vindicated their own thought process with what they've done with their young starting pitchers. Um, Matt Harvey, they did not bring up until he had reached the point where both he and the team admits he was probably a little bored at AAA. Uh, they made sure Zach Wheeler was beyond ready when he came up. Same with Noah Syndergaard. Same with Steven Matz. And, you know, all of those guys, to varying extents, have had a lot of success in the big leagues. So uh, just because Dilson Herrera is a position player, just because he's hit a lot in the minors uh, doesn't mean the Mets are quite ready because they want to make sure he's they're sure he's ready. And, and Dilson Harris still certainly has areas he can improve, uh, whether that's defensively, whether that's becoming a little less of a pull hitter and a little more of a use the whole field. Uh, it's not as if he's a finished product. Like you said, he is 22 years old still, uh, still has a little bit to learn, and the Mets just want to be sure that when he gets here, you will be here for the long haul. Yeah, and I think uh, given all the projections on him and his uh, forecast and outlook, uh, he will be there uh, for quite some time. Once he arrives, he should arrive for good. Uh, Anthony, coming down the home stretch here, uh, you know, the final 10 or so days of spring training, are there any remaining loose ends that the Mets are trying to tie up? I mean, you touched on this at the onset, that there's not really a lot of position battles going on, but any lingering issues before they take the field in, of all places, Kansas City on opening night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that should be fun, of course, to watch the uh, 
banner raising and the ring ceremony, oh, yeah. which the Royals have, have kindly enough for the Mets to, scheduled for separate nights. <laughs> so uh, the, really the only issue coming down the stretch for this team would be is Drupal Cabrera. Uh, is he going to be healthy enough uh, to make it there on opening night? Uh, if he's not, it probably opens up spots for both Matt Reynolds and Eric Campbell to make the roster. Uh, if Drupal Cabrera is there, you're probably going to have to wind up choosing between one of the two. Um, that's really the only thing the Mets are going to have to keep an eye on because David Wright sure looking like he's going to be ready to go. And, and frankly, as Dribble Cabrera looks like there's a pretty pretty good chance he'll be ready to go as well. Um, like I said, it's been a pretty, uh, I don't want to say, but it's, it's been a quiet camp for the Mets, and that's just how they like it, and that's just how they want this to go. And, uh, uh, you know, opening day is coming fast, so it should be an interesting time. But uh, I think the Mets are pretty pleased with how spring has uh, has come down the chute. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And to come into every game as the defending National League champions, uh, got a pretty nice ring to it. The Mets, of course, want more. They want to get back to the Fall Classic in 2017 and finish the deal. Uh, great stuff, as always, Anthony. We thank you for the time. Anthony DeComo joining us today. This is Matt Waymire signing off for MLB.com Extras, New York Mets. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.